So there is a uh, place up in Alaska. It's called the Boneyard. Uh, I heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast where they are literally finding thousands and thousands and thousands of animal of ancient animals deposited in a small five acre spot. And they pulled out over like 10,000 mammoth tusks. Really? Yes. In one single spot. And I mean, short nosed bears and some sort of massive wolf and they're not fossilized. They're frozen in the permafrost, but the permafrost is melting and so they just start digging around and boom, it's on private land. I can't remember the guy's name, Jim. I can't remember. Anyway, it's on, he's on Instagram, the bone yard. And, uh, they're posting all the time of stuff that they're finding, but, uh, this is episode three of the way to farm podcast. And anyway, that's, that's, uh, yeah, a little background on this story. We were literally just talking about it and he decided to hit record. So I just hit record. This is the kind of stuff that we do behind the scene. Yeah. So we're not going to get into how we got to the boneyard topic, but uh, that's where we were at when we hit record. Yeah. And permafrost. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, it's. So they know why they're put there? No, not really. Haven't you ever seen ancient aliens? No. They just moved them all there. Oh, well. You know, they had slaughterhouses back in those days, and that's just where they dumped it. That was an old landfill. For the aliens. Wow. <laughs> I thought maybe there was a catastrophic water event that maybe washed all the animals down and acted like a pile of driftwood then got buried in dirt real quick and it got cold pretty fast. I mean... There's that all... plausible. Yeah, there's plausible. that also. Right, right. But I don't know. I mean, you know, in the last episode we talked about men in black and cheese puffs. Right. With a twist of Narnia. But... um yeah. Anyway, we're going to go over reading a soil test. No, no, I don't want to do that. Oh, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about your new planner. Okay. Tell everybody about your new planner. Well, I got the a fact new... that you don't do green. We're going to have to throw that up front. I'm a green guy and Josh yeah. likes red. Ben drives John Deere. I drive Case IH. Yeah. Take a moment of silence. And uh, anyway, yeah, I did. I, I got a new planner. Uh, Anyway, 30 inch planter went, I had was planting 30 inch corn, 15 inch beans. <clears throat> that's I'd, a good topic. What's that? Row spacing. Well, I figured that's where this was going. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just laying it out. Okay. All right. Like, we're not rabbit holing here. We, we kind of had this idea. We're going to talk about row spacing. The mammoth so, thing but, was different. I mean that we did yeah, not Yeah, we decided that. we're going to keep this PG. So we're not going to talk about how we got to the bone pile. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going uh i did a i did trial last year of 15 inch first 30 inch rows and i mean it was as i did i did 30 30 inch strip till beans 30 inch no-till beans 15 inch no-till beans can't do 15 inch strip till only have a 30 inch strip till bar uh no yield difference none and so what and we we're planting a low pop population and soybeans like yeah and your trials are all beans right i remember that right that was yes that yes. was all soybeans i haven't yeah, done it you don't in have corn. a 15 inch corn head nope so um you know ben 
plants everything on 20. You plant everything on 20 inch space. 20s, yep. Um, and that's what you guys are set up for. And uh, yeah, yeah. We chose 20 inch because we were flood irrigation and we were all 40 inch back in that day. And it was easier to make a move to 20s for pivots than to go to 30s because we could keep our flood fields on 40s and cut with one corn head. So you can use a 20 inch corn head to cut or to harvest 40, 40, inch, 40 corn. inch corn. Yeah. And so that's why we went that way. Today we found other reasons to stay like that, but that was our move. Hmm. All right. So everybody's got their reasons. Everyone does. Right. Uh, and but yeah, I got a new planner. Um, really excited for it. Got a good deal. Got a, and you went from a 30 foot to a 40 foot, but it was a 1631. Right. 12, 12, 23, or 12, 12, 23 to a, to a 16, 30, 16 inch third or 16 row, 30, 30 inch. inch. Right. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so that's going to, up, you know, number of acres in a day a lot. Right. Um, you know, save, save quite a bit of time and we are reducing seeds population and soybeans dramatically. When I say dramatically, uh, my best soybeans last year were planted at 50,000 or no, excuse me, 70,000 population. Uh, Joe planted 55,000 next to, I can't remember what his other number was. 50 versus 50 or 55,000 versus 70 and 75,000, something like that. And no yield difference between right. the two. And that was your idea. Yeah. Yeah. We did. That was last year, right? Yes. With you? 22. Yeah. So two years ago, I did that study where we went from 20,000 up to yeah. 180. I did 70 to 110 right. uh, in 2021, and the best yield was 70, and it started to drop off after 90 Yeah, on 15-inch rows. Yep, and we were doing it in 20-inch. And planting that plot, I remember I was sending you pictures of the monitor each time we dropped and eventually it come in, your responses were, dear God, stop going down. Dude, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was crazy. He was planting lower population soybeans and I was planting corn. Right. I plant in the 20,000s. We're going to figure thousands. this stuff out. I want to yeah. see what happens. That's right. Right. So, uh, my high, my, my good, and we're putting the better, the dirt, the lower population. It's help. It, that's kind of not rule of thumb but it's kind of where we're going what we're finding out uh, even in corn yeah the, the, the better the higher the cec the better the soil the lower the pop is needed and that comes into a microclimate factor okay. that i've found and you know going across united states and stuff it's it seems to be a correlating um factor all the way across but um in soybeans, it's a crowding issue. Now, given 20,000, let me explain. I plant beans. So I have a John Deere planter and I run Promax 40 corn plates. I don't run the precision stuff. Um, I got precision on my new planter. Yeah, they come with that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm running the Promax 40. A Promax 40 with the eliminators turned down, the double eliminator turned to zero, will plant a soybean hmm. and singulate it very, very effectively. Yeah. And so that's what I do. I just turn the singulators off, the double eliminator or whatever off, and then um, just dump beans in there, turn the vacuum down because it will plug the hole very effectively, and then just go. <laughs> yeah. And then that's how I'm getting away with 20,000, at least that time. So what we've seen is similar to what you've seen. 
my highest, so we did 20 uh, for for kicks. I did one at 34 to simulate corn and one at 55, one at 75, one at 90, and then on up to 180 about every 20,000. Uh, once we crossed over 100, it started to go down. And the 180,000 yielded less than the 20,000. And wow. 20,000, the only reason I think it didn't win is because the germination in beans is not great yeah. compared to corn. So, so you have 85, 85% germ on 20,000. Right. You got some pretty big holes. Yeah. But we're talking 55,000 was the best out of all of it. And it made around 85 irrigated. And we didn't have a very good end of 21. It was pretty hot and nasty. Beans yeah. were just down in general. Um, but the 20,000 was like 70 without pulling it up and looking. It Jeez. wasn't drastically less. I mean, it was enough less that if you're going to yield 10 to 15 bushel less in soybeans, 20,000, come on, just put it out there and let's go. Yeah. But the point being that being overcrowding, and it doesn't matter 30 inch, 20 inch, 15 inch, now drilled is a whole nother cat, but, um, this is, yeah, we're, we are talking planters. Yes. Not planting, air drills, not box drills. Singulating the seed. Yeah. That seems to be really, really important in beans more, you know, corn is emergence, even, even of emergence, things like that factor in beans don't seem to play that same game, at least within a small window. Yeah. That's what I found. Um, Justin down in Wichita area, he, likes to play this real, real low population. And he's a 15 inch guy and same thing. He loves to plant 75 to 90,000 and continues to go down every single year. Yeah. I see him a Snapchat of, of population. And all he said was go down, son. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Keep going down. Yeah. More like, keep going down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Anyway, yeah, it's 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 been a it's been wild. It's been wild. I and I've still got Preston, buddy of mine, Missouri. He plants one hundred sixty thousand. I told him, I said, dude, make a couple passes at seventy thousand. He's like, dude, I'll lose the farm. I was like, you lose the farm over a couple of passes at seventy thousand. Come on, man. Anyway, I was like, I'll do a couple. But he's like, you do a couple passes at one sixty. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm willing to lose money on this deal to prove you wrong. And uh, anyway, he called me during harvest. And he's like, oh, my gosh, man. I'm like, what is it? He's like, these aren't bad beans. I'm like, which ones? He's like, you're 70,000 pop. I'm like, okay, I knew that. And he's like, man, that saves a lot of seed. You know, that's it does. 70,000 doubles 140. He's planting 160. You know, so you're, you're cutting your seed by a lot. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, if you start penciling um, a budget on soybeans and you start factoring less than a unit or around a unit of, of or well, that'd be half a unit, right? Yeah, the unit's one hundred and forty thousand. Yeah, so it'd be half a unit of seed. A bag is thirty or sixty bucks, sixty-five somewhere in there. You're thirty dollars an acre. Yeah, and uh, you can start doing a lot when you ain't. Oh my gosh! Much yeah, you either reallocate that thirty or you just shifted into the profit margin right yeah and th that's i mean that's a decision before you even touch the field yeah that works my bean motto is save on seed and shift to feed yeah and that's that's where i put it because a lot of people view beans as a scavenger crop 
that it's just going to mine what you got and just hope that you get the yield. But uh, we make a lot of money in beans if yes. you manage it right. Oh yeah, well beans is beans is the underglorified crop. I mean it's it's not that exciting. It's not like corn. Uh, you know, corn's kind of the fun crop. I think a it's lot. It's an of, ego crop. It or is an a ego status crop. crop. I wouldn't say an ego, but a status. Corn corn farmer is more. Heard a guy say it's more romantic, in a sense. Yeah, it is a very big status. Sure. Symbol. So you can raise big yield corn. It looks good. You got a lot of machinery, but it's yeah. stressful. Beans are fun. Yeah, in my, in my book, you can't hardly kill them. No, no, and even like planting early. You know, Justin loves to go early. I mean, early. Early. <laughs> like stupid early. That, that planter won't even go in the ground. It's almost frozen. Because it's frozen. Plan. Yeah. 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 He's using a coulter to break the, the frozen inch of ground in yeah. front of his, his coulters. Yeah, yeah. And so a little backstory on his deal, and I'm sure he'll forgive me for sharing this story. But every spring, part of his maintenance program is when he's done getting the planter ready to go, he'll take the planter out and plant 10 or 15 acres in March in central Kansas. Yep. And we're still snowing up into April most of the time and freezing every single night, guaranteed. Yeah. And uh, he does this just to kind of work the bugs out. Well, he kept leaving these strips and he gets in the season and there's no yield difference, if not better. And it's just beans are so resilient. There's so much unknowns in soybeans. It's it's the fun crop. It's like you're pioneering the system. Yeah. As you go, so you I can love to beat play in them. the crap out of them. They are, yeah. They they like they like the crap beat out yep. of them. They yield better. Yeah, like old Corey told me once, how early is too early to plant beans when they won't come up. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Um. So yeah, row spacing and and uh, populations that's a big topic on itself. But sure. we all keep adjusting and finding our nick. If you've Mitch got, and, if you got deer problems though, be, be very, very cautious of lower, lower and lower population. Right. I mean, I use, like a lot of my creek bottom ground where I have a lot of deer activity and things like that. I mean, so there was a study, I believe Mississippi state put this out last year. I remember, don't quote me on this, on the source, but an, an adult doe that's lactating feeding fawns can eat up to nine pounds of soybean cotyledons in one night. Right. Nine that's pounds. That's a lot of beans getting lost. You got 10 deer out on a field. That's 90 pounds a night. If they're out there for two weeks, you know, or say 10 days, 900 pounds for easy math. 900 pounds is a lot of beans. Yeah. So what I'll usually do is I will plant an extra 20 or 30,000 population or so around the outside rounds of my field. Yeah. And then the drop pop your- on the straight rows. Cause they like to stay on those edges. Right. Um, this is kind of off topic, but you know, it, well, it's, no, that's a good point. It's definitely affected my yields. Cause I have lost a significant amount of beans to deer in the past. Well, the outside ring your field. There's a lot of acres right there. Cause that's your widest spot. Yes. And, uh, I, I've a got good- a couple fields that the end rows, I have one field. The end rows is 21 acres. Right. Yeah. <laughs> On an irrigation pivot. The outside two and a half spans, which it for guys that are not familiar, you got a tower that has wheels and then you got a span to the next tower. Okay. So if you count two of those spans plus a half of another, that's half the circle on an eight tower machine. And that's where, just to your point, you got to adjust. So 
good point to bring this up for you. You're just up on your outer rows to compensate for your, your feeding, your, yeah. your wildlife, wildlife feeding, damage. Right. And me and my world, we go down on our turn rows to compensate for heat and wind. Sure. Because you can't keep, keep, you can't keep it alive. Right. Well, you struggle keeping it alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, those are good points to bring across. Yeah. So we're talking a little bit about, um, adjusting for our environments, right? Yes. So, you know, fun one to talk about is, you know, adjusting populations up and down based off of soil, soil performance, CEC, fertility, things like that. So I know we've seen it in your farm, particularly the common thought that I found guys mess with is that, um, we're gonna, we got good tight soil. We've got great fertility, great water holding capacity. Let's plant more plants. Yeah. And, uh, we've started finding on our operation plus guys. Because more is better. Right. Well, more fertility, more water, more More, plants, more more output. Yeah. Right. Uh, General speaking, biology should be better, but, um, uh, we're finding that those high CE soils, higher CE soil, CEC soils, CEC soil, cationic exchange capacity, right? And these higher clays, these these soils that just hold lots of fertility and water. Planting thicker actually is killing our our uh, ability for the soil to breathe and the ability for the canopy to breathe. And so we essentially drown out or suffocate out our crop in these environments. So we actually plan opposite of the general. So the higher the CEC, the lower we go, hmm. the lower the CEC, the higher we go. You're using plants to microclimate the zone by planting them thicker and holding more humidity and less sun in those areas and vice versa or yeah, vice versa in the other environment. Does that make sense? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's mitigating our climate as best we can. Right. Yes. So if you get into like in the summer, which when, I mean, we're talking about row spacing, 20 inch rows narrows it up. You can hold tighten your climate together or tighten your canopy up. Yeah, regardless of spacing, or regardless of population, row spacing makes a huge difference in the ability air movement to move through a canopy. So a guy needs to be able to work that thicker or thinner based off of what he's having issues with. Hmm. So guys that are real, real wet, it may be more beneficial to go thinner, higher flex hybrids, than to go thicker and try to compensate with fungicide and all these other issues to mitigate these problems that you simply can't beat. Yeah. You just can't win. Well, and so we, one of the rules of thumb that you've talked about is, uh, seven to 10 bushel per thousand of population. Yeah. So for every thousand seeds you plant getting, you know, seven to nine, 10 bushel return on that thousand. Yes. So 20,000 bushel, or, or 20,000 20, population, you should be scratching on the door of 200 bushel crop. Right, if you just use 10. Yeah, if you use that, 10. Right. That, and now that's, that's peak performance. Right. You are well, getting, they are getting after it. And that being said, that's, yeah. it, the plants will do far more than that. The okay. genetics today, I've seen 15 wow. per thousand. I mean, this year I had one that went over 270 yeah. at 24,000. Right. Irrigated in Western Kansas on tight, really good fertility dirt. Yeah. And that given that the point being the fertility was there, 
but the population wasn't needed to push it. Sure. There's a lot of seed salesmen. Oh, Joe, he may hate this talk, but they, they, they want to push the pop because that, you know, in theory should help. Not more. Joe. Joe Not recommends Joe. Okay, lower. Well, he does recommend okay. lower, lower beans, corn. We're still testing still with our ground. We're all yeah. Learning, right. Yeah. Right? We're all trialing and just trying to wing it through here, basically figure it out. But, yeah. um, but yeah, you can get closer to 15 per thousand, but I like to not even consider going up until you're closer to nine. Without getting into a huge rant about biology, we have found that biology and soil health tends to be the limiting factor in the ability for a soil to handle a certain number of plants. So the healthier the soil, the more the system is capable of supporting, regardless of the water, regardless of the fertility. Because we've all done it. You've done it. When I first met you, you were doing it. You still do it occasionally to just kind of test a little Irritates bit. Irritates you. Right. And right. test, yeah. You're right. You always just got to do your own test. But mm -hmm. that you can have everything right and put the fertility, put the water out there to take care of that crop and then still can't get it. Right. And then everybody blames it on environment. Sure. You know? I mean, I can put on what Randy Dowdy's putting on. And it won't work. No, I will not get Randy Dowdy's yields. Yeah. If anything, you'll go by the other way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just the system can't support it. Yeah, Randy Dowdy is, for those that don't know, uh, him and David Hula are the top two corn growers in the United States. Um, David's broke 600. Yeah, uh, he's it, a whole world record holder. Yeah, he's holding world record right now. I'm not sure where Randy's at. He's not far behind, I don't think. I hadn't heard a lot from him in a while. Yeah? Um, last few years. I don't know if they're, well, they've been having some pretty wild weather down in that area, but uh, I haven't heard a whole lot of it out of Randy. Are you pulling up Google? Yeah. 459. Yeah. 459 is his. That's no-till dry land. No-till no dry land? Bushels per acre for his no-till dry land plot. Wow. Dang. What are you doing wrong? I, everything, Apparently. apparently. Jeez, no till dry <laughs> land, 459. Yeah, jeez. Right, right. <gasps> but it's always just a trial and error. Yeah. Just keep yeah. working. And Randy's first generation. Yeah. So, you know. There's something to be said about that. We mentioned in the first one about psychology. Yeah. And breaking that whole, we know we've done this, blah, blah, blah mentality. The problem is, is things have been tried once. And that knowledge is passed on. And that didn't work, but the technology changes, the genetics change, all these things change. It may be time to give it another go. Yeah. And just keep trying, keep trying. But Justin is a first gen farmer. Yeah. And he is Bruce very, Wayne. very innovative. Yeah. Bruce Wayne. He is a very, very innovative farmer. Um, he doesn't, he's not, you know, clouded by the old, you know, heritage is great. And it, hundred years of this is what we've yeah, always done. Yeah. It's great. Sure. But uh, it can also be a crutch or in something that can keep you from getting there. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, row spacing. So, this is this was something that really, I really enjoyed learning about was um, you were talking about the, the relationship of plant to plant and when you get them too close together. Um, which is kind of a byproduct of, you know, row spacing, how close, you know, you have 15 inch rows, you're going to spread your seeds a little farther, twenties, thirties, you know, 
kind of depends. But when you were talking, you were talking about this. So a plant has it seems like it has its little zone. It's got to do everything in, and right. when it sends roots out and it hits the roots of another plant. I need more, Josh. <laughs> I thought we were. I'm oh trying my, to follow your story. Oh my, I thought you were talking to me about this. <laughs> anyway, and I mean, basically, you start crowding plants, and it just becomes a competition zone. It does. You know, I mean, we see that in our good river bottom dirt. You put beans down there, man. You put 120, 130,000 down there, man. They'll be over your head. Right. Be six foot yeah. tall soybeans, and so there, you have massive, massive amounts of foliage, and you have 40 bushel yield. Right. Pods just don't produce. Right. So we're dropping population. We're shortening our beans up. You know, now we're about waste down mm-hmm. to our waste at 60, 70,000, maybe 80,000. Uh, you know, and the plants are actually producing pods now. Right. You know, and we're getting some seriously good yields. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. So <clears throat> what I've found, and we just keep finding, is that plants tend to not have as much a handicap with root zone crowding as they tend to with solar solar being inhibited from solar absorption okay now this is backwards thinking but typically the wider the spacing the higher the tolerance for population everybody has went the other way so 20 inch 15 inch corn can handle 40 45 50,000 no absolutely not i've hmm. tried it Multiple narrow row guys have tried it with me in multiple different states, multiple different practices, repetitive, same result, hmm. regardless of the climate, regardless if it's irrigated, regardless if it's tiled, it's always the same result. And so what we found that when the solar absorption starts becoming inhibited in corn and beans in particular, soybeans are super bad about this, that your yields start to drag. So, um, the, your whole test on your 30 inch versus your 15 inch showed this up or showed this 20 inch tends to even be almost a little bit too narrow for soybeans, but we've had good enough luck. It doesn't pay to, to switch planters for a slight difference. I mean, we're getting over a hundred now. Yeah. I mean, how much more can we push? It's not, it's basically not row spacing in my environment at this point. It becomes more like bio, biology or, or maybe some feed things more than row spacing right now for me. But other guys, population and row spacing are killing everybody. Drill guys, <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate drilled beans. I don't think they work. Double crop, organics, different story. Mm. That's that. That foliage, that deep, deep, dark foliage tends to help, especially in double crop behind weed, it gets hot. And I'm going to agree hundred percent, particularly in population as well, that you're going to need more to mitigate your heat and things like that. But microclimate is key in any of these, in these environments. So thicker population on your double crop, drilled beans can be a problem. The later, the later planting you're forced right. into, Time, maybe weather, weather related scenarios. Right. Timing. Yeah. I mean, I've got this whole course that I built up on soybean populations relating to row spacing, relating to time of planting. And I've got one for corn too. But, um, but yeah, those factors are what's, what's, uh, affecting a lot of that stuff. So it's, it's all trial and error. 
right. trial and error. And my thing, my thing with a, you know, I've got a lot of, of heavy ground, deep mm. black gummy river bottom. Uh, and a lot of the issues with the 15 inch planter was trying to get a stand in the tire tracks. Yeah. That was a, that was a fight. And I never on, on that type of soil, never got a good stand in those rows. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's four rows. It's at least four rows of mm-hmm. beans on a 23 row planter. So you've got 19 rows that are doing their job and you've got four rows that are struggling. That's a lot, you know, yeah. you know, tr- they're just trying to grow. Um, and you know, and I needed to move to a bigger planter because acres have grown some and, uh, you know, I don't have as much time Our time windows keep seeming to get harder and harder to work with. Uh, so covering more ground in a shorter amount of time was becoming a big deal. But you drop a 30 inch planter in the ground and go, you're not worrying about your tire tracks. You're planting into undisturbed ground in regards to, you know, compaction. Right. And we we will dive heavily into compaction and compaction management. Right. But, uh, it's been, you know, that was a big, big thing for me. It was to be able to just drop it in the ground and go without sacrificing yield. Exactly. Well, the point being said about all this stuff, there is a management for all of it. I, I've seen 15 inch work great. I've seen 20 inch work great. 30s, 40s, even 60s work. Yeah. There is a specific management that tends to make favor one spacing over another. And we can spend one episode on every single one of those factors, in every single crop and in every single environment and make a thousand of them. Yeah. But the idea is, is guys are going to, you know, listening to this are going to sit there and well, it, I'm more narrow. I've had good luck here. I've had good luck there. And I totally believe you. It probably works for you because you've adapted to that. So I have m- my populations now given some of this does cross, but not everything. My populations are lower than what you're getting away with. Actually this year I was at your population or lower um, because I'm 20 inch spacing. Right. Um, Bruce is having great luck with, uh, even lower yet with 15 inch. So, um, the point being is that there's no perfect spacing. There's only a perfect management for each spacing and that that is going to have to be catered by the grower. Now that may sound like, well, what am I supposed to do? There's no answers here. I don't even know what they're telling me that basically what I'm doing is fine. Right. But some of these tips along row spacing with overcrowding, you know, or, or, uh, planting too thin, these are factors to take into consideration. So look at heavy soils, yield maps, or, you know, if you're running the combine, you're going to see it. Um, look at disease pressure, things like that, and adjust back and forth based off of that. But general rule of thumb, Crowding between the rows kills yield faster than crowding down the row. Mm. Yeah. Well, and so you say disease pressure, you know, the further, the more humid climate you get, the more disease you're going to have. Um, you know, the I states, they don't get, you know, the, I'd say the I states, I don't struggle with it a whole lot. You probably, you probably do an irrigation. Do you struggle with disease pressure? Oh yeah. On yeah. Thicker thinner or thicker plantings, thicker planting and narrower rows. Yeah. So that, you know, so that's, that's something that some guys do is they go to wider, wider rows 
uh, to get more airflow. Airflow will decrease. Yeah, it'll decrease your amount of uh, disease pressure. Yeah. So sunlight, sunlight and wind kill disease. Right. They just, they just do. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, I'm and 30. Genetics inch. will fall under that too. Genetics as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, we can talk all day oh, <laughs> about man. that, but, uh, um, yeah, trial and error and, and working with genetics, working with your seed guys, you know, if you're narrower rows, you know, we can talk about plant physiology and the way the plant structure works and all that. Those are going to change. A lot of your seed guys know this, um, that you're really good experienced good ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, population relation to it, row spacing relation to perfect spacing. There's no such thing. I'm going to flat out say it. There's no such thing as a perfect row spacing, but there is a perfect management that can. For each row spacing. Exactly. Yes. That can come along with it. Yeah specific to each grower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that pretty much covers, that covers the row spacing side of things. Um, my, I mean, my biggest deal was just compaction. I mean, it's yeah. such a speed. heavy planner. Yeah. Yeah. And speed. It's such, oh my gosh, it's such a heavy planner. Um, you know, you could plant through concrete. You could, but you can't close a concrete trench. Yep. If you don't get any rain for two weeks, those seeds aren't coming. Yep. So, um, that's well, to your point, it fit your operation to go wider. Everything we've seen on your fields, wider was better. Yeah. Yeah. So started, you know, my, my, my big deal is I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I keep touching this compaction issue. We don't have for time's sake, we can't really dive into it, but you know, we've got, we need to get oxygen in the soil. We need to get compaction decreased, you know, went to strip till, so strip tilling all my corn ground, strip tilling some bean ground, being more precise about our nutrient placement. Um, and the thing with 30 inch, you can put liquid on with a 15 inch. You can put liquid on with a 20 inch. It's just a lot more stuff to run. Yeah. They you get know. more expensive. Yes. More expensive, more stuff to that hoses might break or something like that. Um, 30 inch is going to be your cheapest planter to set up. In regards to cost per row, obviously, yeah, the wider the spacing, rows. the cheaper it is. Yeah, but um, you know, so that's that's the move I made on my farm. You're going to stick with 20 inch because it works great for you and your yep. zone, your region. Yeah, with my climate, and my aeration management, and uh, what I want to do with populations, 20s makes sense. But absolutely for you, 30s was the good choice. Yeah, so it's and and I'm you know. That was Joe and I've talked, you know, we were pushing corn pops. We were doing 26, 28, 30,000, did one or two passes at 32, see if we could see a difference. Um, and we really, we both noticed this was, uh, we need to get a lot better at managing our 20,000, then 22, then 24, then 26, and tw you know, and work our way, master, try to master the, the, the population before we move the population to try to just add yield. Well, build the soil. Yeah. Yeah. Build the, the, the bugs in the ground are your, your workers. And if there's not enough workers to support these plants, these factories, then you're just essentially putting plants out there useless. And then the more and more you do this, the more overloaded the workers become and the more basically falling on your face effects you get. Yeah. So you build a big plant, and you tip it all back in a cob 
that plant and that cob takes energy, takes nutrition, water to build these plants for what? To rob it from what you could have done with less, essentially. Yeah. Your ROI turns into crap. Sure. If you maintain a good cob, a good ear of corn, instead of two ears out there fighting for, you know, what you- Multiple plants. Yes. You build a, if you build, or just say 40,000 and 20,000, you're going to take in the same management. If that plant, that extra 20,000, so double the rate is going to take double the nutrition, double the biology to support it, double the water. If you don't get the, um, the system and balance to operate and function those other 20, essentially those 20 other plants, 20,000 other plants and those 20,000 other cobs have just robbed your other prior 20,000 of the potential they could have used right for nothing more than Stover. Sure. And we were talking in, uh, episode, I think the last episode we were talking about, you know, cost savings on the farm and where can we, you know, where, where can we really be intentional about cost savings and putting our money? Um, what are we wasting money on? What do we need to put more money on that? And I mean, really, if you can get better at lower seed population, I mean, like you said, five gallon, five gallons of starter on 30,000 popcorn, or five gallons of starter on 20,000 popcorn that, or, you know, your nutrition goes a lot further yeah. on the fewer plants it has to raise. And so if you can make each plant become more efficient, so say you can make 70,000 yield the same uh, as 140, you've got cost savings in fertility. You only have to raise the 70, you know, you don't have to you raise don't have the to 140. Build 70 factories. Exactly. That now can start manufacturing the product, which would be the grain in our scenario, but it, it can focus the additional fertility for actual production and not building this. Just factory. trying to grow the plant. Right. Yeah. Your, your factory is a great, that's a, that's a really great analogy because you know, to start the factory, you got to have, you know, you got to have your workers, you got to have power, you have to have systems, you have to, you know, you have to have everything that moves before you even produce the product. Yep. And so many guys get caught up in the, the beautiful looking field, you know, oh well, my that, gosh, leaving those are, something on the table. That's the other thing is leaving things on the table, but essentially building a plant that doesn't even operate. So a factory that's not even doing anything is entirely leaving a ton on the table. So you shorted it. Well, the general thought is I'm going to feed it more. Yeah. But the biology, the worker, the workforce isn't there to even convert. Yeah. To haul the product into the plant, to even make the product that plant is going to make. Sure. So many misconceptions that people have is that you put fertility on and the fertility goes straight into the plant. Yeah. The plant reaches out and it grabs that little chunk of phosphorus and it's like, my man. Yeah. You know, that's not how it works. Biology yep. has to break the nutrition, the fertility down to make it plant available. And carry it in a lot of times. Yes. Yes. So it's it's a snowball effect of error, mm-hmm. but it's a general misconception of how the system works. Yeah. And, and guys, we're not saying, you know, we're not sitting here saying, hey, you need to change your entire farm over. Just try it. Well, yeah, just try just it. Try and it. I mean, these things are things that I'm not... I don't want for your farm. What's the first thing we did? Cut this, 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 this. We just took and just started chopping your system up. Yeah. We didn't add anything. No. I mean, we changed a few products, 
but we mostly took things away. Yeah. And then what happened? That first year we jumped you 30 to 40 bushel farm wide. Yeah. Save a lot of money. Yeah. And spend about 30% less input too, to do it. Yeah. And so seed, seed was one. Nitrogen was the other. And then, uh, herbicide builds soil builds. Yeah. Yeah. And cut the soil builds, cut the soil builds out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Be more intentional with, be more intentional with your dollars that you're spending out there. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely, um, being more precise with your populations, adjusting that to your row spacing, um, based off your own research. I mean, what we have here is tips to look for. Um, but adjusting that trial and error, it's going to be more error than success. If you error, don't get all beat up about it. That's why we do small tests. Don't do a whole field, but making those adjustments on your own is the only way you're ever going to know. Yeah. But I guarantee if you're doing 34,000 or 40,000 every year and not changing anything, you're going to forever be doing these exact same results and be frustrated about nothing more than price. So market, grain market and input markets, they don't give a rip what it costs you to produce it, right. regardless sure. of what we want to believe. That's not how it works. So you're just going to have to figure out how to not get caught up in the emotional draining of these markets and be able to focus on what you can control, which is these factors that we're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it, it's so early we kind of rolled back into the last podcast of efficiency on the farm you're right you know you're only as good as your weakest link exactly so find so, your weakest link and and for everybody it's different sometimes it's marketing sometimes it's fertility your fertility time. plan might be spot on yeah M- more power to you that's great you know and, and if you if you have mastered all of it please call yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please call, uh, get a hold of us. We'd like to get you here on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's, I think we're going to wrap this one up, but uh, appreciate everybody that is tuned in. Um, this first, first, uh, we're, we're kind of blazing the trail on this. Give us feedback. Um, also, if you can, let's see, what do they do? They, they uh, thank you. You can rate the podcast. And the down, you can rate the podcast and leave us a um, review as well, and that can that really gives us that helps us a lot. I should have said that on the last couple podcasts, but right. I forgot to. But uh, but help be helpful to us. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support. And till next time on the next topic of way to farm. Peace out. Appreciate you guys. Catch you on the flip side. All right. <laughs> Later. Later.